So I want to start with a couple of, um, a couple of, a couple of clarifying statements. I'm so glad you came in, Jenny, because I was looking at your daughter and thinking, she's, her mom's going to be here. We have a couple of those. We have Joy here today with her mom. We have a couple of people who are here with their mothers. Larkin, what a sweet thing to see all your kids and mothers together. So unity is a very unique bird. We walk a very special path around here. We have a lot of freedom and expansiveness to see who we are, what we believe, and to make choices for ourselves. It is not my job to stand here and tell you what to believe. It is my job to, as ministers say amongst themselves, comfort the afflicted and afflict the comforted. (laughs) Yes. Our job as ministers, especially in unity, is to move you to consider things, to push the envelope to, in a way that makes you go, oh, what do I really believe about that? So today I'm going to ask you to imagine that life is different. I want to ask you to imagine that the first time you heard about the creation of the world, you heard a story that sounds something like this. Long, long ago, the universe slept in the arms of a dark void. From this place of nothingness, the divine drew together and created the goddess of infinite love. The goddess danced amongst the heavens, her feet beating out the rhythm of all creation. Sparks of light catapulted from her hair, giving birth to the stars and the planets. As she twirled, these heavenly bodies began to move with her in the divine symphony of the universe. She chanted words of love and joy, and as these sounds fell to the earth, the beautiful trees and flowers were created. From the pure white light of her breath came the colors of the universe, turning all things into vibrant beauty. From the bubbling laughter in her throat sprang the sounds of the pristine running waters of the stream, the gentle lapping vibrations of the lakes and the roaring screams of the oceans. Her tears of joy became the refreshing rains of the earth's survival. And when her dancing slowed, the goddess sought a companion to share the wonders of her world. The divine created the god as her life mate and her companion. Because she so loved the earth, the divine made her companion divine so that together they could populate the planet. The god's power moved through her and she showered the earth and all upon it with her blessing. Together, the god and goddess gave birth to the birds and animals, fishes and people of the world. To protect and guide, the god and goddess made angels and animal spirits, energies that walked with them always, though the humans could not see them. And all was good and well upon the earth. So would your life have been different? Had you been taught that the originating source of life was female? Would your life have been different both as a man or as a woman if this was the story that you had heard? Certainly every one of you has to say yes somehow. So in unity, to be clear, 
In unity, we see a divine presence. We don't genderize that presence. We use the word God in an open form. That God can be male, female, whatever. There's no gender because that presence that is the divine is something so far beyond what we could put into words. It is a presence that we come to know in our very being, isn't it? It's a sense that we feel and we know and it moves through us and with us and we are it and it is us. And in that, knowing that now is a really great thing, but most of us grew up with a different picture. Most of us grew up with a picture of a divine father. So I want to invite you into a consideration because the first thing that comes up is, well then, if it was supposed to be a divine mother, why is it that Jesus always said Abba? Abba is father. Why did Jesus say Abba? Well, here's a point of consideration for you. The the story that we know about the birth of Christ is that he was born to, out of immaculate conception, correct? So do you think by the time he was old enough to speak to the crowds that his parents, much like a parent of an adopted child, might have come to him and said, look, son, there are a few things that you need to know. And one of them is that your birth wasn't quite like everyone else's. Do you think he might have known that by the time he was speaking to the crowds who documented what he had to say? So then if he knew that, he would know that he had a mother. So who would the likely divine partner to that be? A father. Does it make sense that he would have named God Father? Absolutely. In the life circumstances that we understand were his, Does that necessitate that being the divine name? No. It's a consideration and a possibility. It's a consideration and a possibility. Why does it matter that we consider this? Because half of our population has been led to believe through their birthright, through their upbringing, that they are lesser than because their gender is different. And it's important to ask ourselves this question. How does this affect who we are? What do we believe about mothering and fathering? I am fascinated by the difference between the the male mysteries and the female mysteries. Because we're a mystery to each other as genders, aren't we? We are are a mystery to each other. We women, we we can watch and observe and participate in the lives of the men around us, but we cannot understand why you do some of the things you do. And we know (laughs) clearly you feel the same way. There are things about being women that you cannot understand until you walk in our high heels. (laughs) It's just a different experience. And we see that as divine order, right? that there are both, there exist both. There are things for us to learn from one another. And for the men in the room, to consider a divine mother is a change. It's It's a change. For the women in the room, it's a permission giving. Because most of us were taught that we were not that. Not only that, we were involved because our gender was involved in the story of the fall of the planet, that we are a secondary set of citizens. 
and that we don't have the same rights and privileges, nor can women be venerated in the same way. And here at Unity, we have the freedom to talk about that. It's not considered blasphemous. It's not considered outside of our scope. What would it be if we experienced the divine in its feminine form? What I love about this story is this story starts out with a beautiful void. There was a void that was the universe, and from that came both the god and the goddess. And that's very aligned with how we think, because for us there is a divine presence, and all things emerge from that divine presence. So what if our ideas of holy male and holy female come out of that one divine presence? And they tell us something about ourselves. Who would we be if we were the divine mother? Every one of us. Because man or woman, you are doing what the divine mother does somewhere in your life. You are looking at something. I love that little boy. Look at me, look at me, look at me, look at me. The little boy on the trampoline in the video. How many mothers have had that experience? Yes? How many fathers have had that experience? Right? When a child wants to be seen, they expect their mother to stop. Stop and look at me. See me. Because this is what happens when we take a child. When a child comes into our arms for the first time, their first experience of love is the energy that comes from our eyes. It is our looking at them that opens their heart to what, where where am I? Where have I come to? It is the eyes of love and wonder and amazement that we all met somehow. And in that miraculous moment, each of our hearts are open differently. But what comes through the eyes of the mother is amazing. Before we have thoughts before we have words. And this is one of the reasons that when we lose our moms, it's one of the most difficult experiences we will ever have because our relationship with our mothers precedes our thought, precedes our words, precedes analysis. It is visceral and goes to the core of who we are. Yes? The same thing happens when we step into a conscious awareness of the Divine Mother. So we know that men move dynamically. We know this from watching. I want to do this job. This is what I'm going to do to get it done. Look at that. It's finished. Like an arrow, right through. Women tend to move in a circular way. Well, let's look at this. Let's consider this. How would it be if we looked at it from this side? Maybe I should sit here for a minute and see what comes to me. Women move in a circular pattern in an intuitive way. They move from their led by their hearts where men tend to move more led by their minds. These are kind of uh, generic statements and I realize there are exceptions to everything. So you might be a woman who has learned to move dynamically or a man who moves in a circular way. This isn't about, about who you are, it's about the energies that we carry within us and how we embody them and how we move them. Because in unity, we are different from other faiths in that we don't place God out there. Our, our, the greatest teaching that we have from the Fillmores and from all of the teachers 
who have contributed to what unity is, is an understanding that God moves through us, that we are God expressing. So we can't be half of what is God, or a third, or a part, but all. And that means that when we consider what the divine feminine is, we're considering how we express as the divine feminine. The nurturing, blessed, centeredness that comes through the eyes of a mother. The open-hearted center of forgiveness that is natural because for us it's impossible not to forgive our children somehow. The compassion that is there for the entire world that is a, a way of looking at things that allows there to be some kind of divine order when it's not visible to us. These are feminine traits. They're feminine aspects for us. If you are a woman, I invite you to put your feet on the floor, to uncross yourself. If you have your legs crossed, your arms crossed, and to sit straight in your chair and allow your shoulders to rest comfortably. If you are a man, I invite you to put your feet on the floor to uncross anything that you have that says, oh, no, what's she doing? Uncross. I promise you're safe in here. Uncross. Sit open. And all of you close your eyes. Turn your hands upward toward the ceiling, open and upward. And imagine with me, if you will, that standing in front of you is the divine and holy feminine. That she's looking down into your eyes. Look with the eyes of your mind into hers as you did when you saw your mother for the first time, not knowing much of anything, with no assumptions or no preconceived ideas, but simply an awakening. Look into the eyes of the mother and see that from those eyes flows love in a way that you can't contextualize and don't need to, in a way that simply moves to the heart of your being that fills you with a sense that you are wanted, that you are blessed, that you are holy, that you are the single most amazing thing that has ever, ever happened. Allow the wonder and amazement of the Divine Mother to flow into you and through you Awakening all that you are on this plane, in this place. And then notice, just notice the tenderness of this heart, this sacred mother heart. Watch as your mother reaches into her heart takes it from her chest and places that glowing light in yours. Smiling, 
knowing that she is giving you all that she is, that you might walk as the holy feminine as well as the holy oneness. And allow that divine heart to beat in sync with yours as you gently open your eyes. It is important to know that you are the divine feminine expressing that you are the mother as well as the father. That our job when we say we will follow the way shower and be God expressing on the planet, our job is to be loving and nurturing. Our job is to be peacemakers. Our job is to be patient beyond measure. And we will so need that in this next political year. (laughs) Our job is to be, to believe at the core of our being that what we're seeing on the outside does not reflect the holy heart on the inside. And that the divine is moving through all of us. That we are a oneness in divine order somehow, even when we cannot possibly fathom that that's true. It is the energy of the mother that sees that potential in a child. It is the energy of the mother who says, yeah, 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 but they're going to be okay. Honey, you're going to be okay. It's the energy of the grandmother who says when things look hopeless, oh, you can't imagine all the things I've lived through. You're going to get through this just fine. Allow that to be the energy that you take forward on this Mother's Day. Allow yourself to know that in the oneness we are lives the mother's heart as well as the father's heart and that it is ours to bring forth both. I have some quotes for you. Elizabeth Stone said, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking outside your body. Sarah Strohmeyer said, a mother is a mother from the moment her baby is first placed in her arms until eternity. It doesn't matter if she received her child at 3, 13, or 30. Peter DeBrye said, a suburban mother's role is to deliver children obstetrically once and by car forever after. William Makepeace Thackeray said, Mother is the name for God on the lips and in the hearts of little children. Milton Berle said, If evolution really works, how come mothers only have two hands? (laughs) And Honore de Balzac said, The heart of a mother is a deep abyss at the bottom of which you will always find forgiveness. Forgiveness.